Hello, everyone. Welcome to Divergent Politics. I'm your host, Laura Hodge. I'm neurodivergent, and politics has always been my special interest. My husband, Tristan Hodge, is neurotypical and apolitical. So he's here to translate for anyone who isn't autistic and or a hyper online political enthusiast. Hello, everyone. We've got a great episode for you tonight. First up, fascism is so like yesterday. Next, we'll get a quick lesson from labor history, which will tie into current labor headlines. Tonight, we've got an update on the Portland teacher strike, Amazon slashes Alexa jobs, and the Tesla strike in Sweden is finally getting to Elon Musk. Then we're going to try to spot the propaganda. MSNBC presents how well the economy is doing depends on your party. Following that, we'll have our mutual aid signal boost. Then we'll jump into political headlines. Tonight is a marathon and we're starting overseas. Continuing in Sweden, uh, gangs and child soldiers overwhelm Sweden. And an uncomfortable number of far-right leaders have been elected in Europe recently. And Houthi rebels are stealing ships and riots pop off in Dublin. Nationally, we have an oil spill off Louisiana, NASA cuts a Mars program, and protesters for Palestine delay the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We don't have any guests today, but if we did, that would come next. We'll finish off headlines with an apolitical palate cleanser. Tonight, that's a throwback you thought you forgot. Lastly, we'll wrap up any loose ends from the episode and end on a positive note. Let's get started. All right, so it's no longer cool to be a fascist. That's good. Hopefully. All right. Israel is losing uh, yeah. the social media war. Uh, Gen Z versus the biggest propaganda creators in the world. Who wins? We've There's got... a lot more Gen Zers. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot there more of them. Uh, and we've got a video. Um, this is kind of long, but it's worth watching the whole thing. <laughs> This Shire. Okay, yeah, I want to pop it, pause it on. There's so many memes, and I want to pause it um, just for the people who are listening. Um, yes. Okay, so it's a soldier standing in front of a wall that nerf guns, and the tweet saying it was all Kamas. With, with, a, with a K. Oh, actually, this started somehow not right in the, at the beginning. Let's start that back over. Israel's propaganda aimed at justifying its war on Palestine. Palestinians in Gaza is being challenged and ridiculed on social media after a series of controversial videos and statements began circulating online. Following Israel's brutal raid of Gaza's Ashifa hospital, many are finding its claims of Hamas operating a command center under the hospital hard to believe. I mean, do anybody really believe that in the first place? That, that. I mean... They were they were bombing a hospital, saying yeah. that Hamas was using tunnels under the hospital as a as a command center, and then so that's where they were justifying bombing a hospital. Social media users were quick to detect inconsistencies in the Israeli military's narrative, prompting a viral trend on TikTok, with creators parodying videos of Israeli forces showcasing alleged Hamas evidence. There is a list. This list. In Arabic. What is this, you Amir? Oh, this is so great. <laughs> uh, that was amazing. Yeah, 
Yeah, no. Like this reminds me of uh, it, it was something in North Korea. They were inspecting a mine, mm-hmm. um, and they weren't supposed to be looking for uranium. Sure. Right for whatever. So they like littered the floor of the of the tunnels with like iron ore, like not in the form that it would allow that a raw would be in the mine. Yeah, it was obviously planted. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's what this reminds me of. Yeah, that's about what it. um, This whole propaganda is like. It's not the 60s and 70s, even 80s and 90s anymore. Like, there are yeah. people on their camera phones you everywhere. You don't get to control a high enough percentage of the narrative right. to make to make it the truth. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, they're doing the thing, but they just don't control enough of it. Right. Alright, let's keep going. Yes. Hamas tunnels. This is a map of Hamas. <laughs> this guide is a manual. A dress with some designs on it. And a Minecraft uh, journal. As users mock Israeli claims, like that. So there's the, the meme that's a, a soldier standing in front of a wall of Nerf guns. And then oh, a tweet geez. is, it's Hamas, Hitler's mind camp. Uh, the world's most dangerous. I should let this play, actually, and let the, the audio. Cause... Yeah. All right, let me just back it up. Mock Israeli claims. Yeah, if you're like listening, just go watch Hitler's some random memes. Camp. Yeah. In the child's bedroom in Gaza, and the infamous calendar on Ashifar's wall, supposedly displaying the names of Hamas operatives. Israel's public messaging policy, known as Hasbara, is taking a huge hit. Hebrew for explanation, Hasbara is a public diplomacy scheme. So, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, those are pretty good. I don't know. I feel like we should look through them again, but that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, we, can, we can go through them now that you played it. Okay, that's yeah. good. Let's go back in. Describe the mouse. Oh, where's my mouse? There it is. The mouse okay, is too so fast for me. It is, yeah. Oops. Oh, wait, no, this is. No, where was it? I lost it. Oh, that's right. There. As users mock okay, Israeli so claims, like the alleged discovery of Hitler's Mein Kampf in a child's then... bedroom in Gaza, and the infamous one. calendar. Everyone I don't like is Hamas. Soldier in front of the Israel's public store. messaging policy. Are and are there Hamas bases in the room with us now? <laughs> <laughs> Known as Hashem, show us on the doll. Mm-hmm. A- yeah, that's exactly a guy sitting like in a doctor. He's got an Israeli flag over him. That's what the doctor thought to him. Explanation. Hasbara right. is a public diplomacy scheme that uses information warfare to promote the strategic objectives of the Israeli state. The Israeli narrative is presented as the only legitimate and reliable voice, as per Israel's promotion of itself as the only democracy in the Middle East, while Palestinian voices are presented as violent, anti-Semitic, and untrustworthy. So in every country, every group has has one of these guys, one of these groups that, you know, further their agenda yeah you know? it's just the straight up propaganda of uh, i saw one i don't have it yeah we, we just don't name ours uh i'm sorry what did they call it explanation right yeah we just don't name it explanation like I saw, it's, it's a thing i saw someone else today i don't have it on here but it was uh discussing the 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 swap of hostages and things mm-hmm. and they described the israelis as uh as children and describes the Palestines as youths under 18. 
Jesus. Right? In the same paragraph? Yeah, in the same paragraph. Like, it was so gross. It's so blatant. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Hasbara targets politicians and the public through mass media, but also through the funding of research centers, NGOs, and lobbying firms. Israel additionally offers Hasbara scholarships and grants to students and young professionals to spread pro-Israel messaging. (laughs) Isn't that great? Isn't that nice that they do that? They seem to have a lot of anti-campaigns against something so just. Well, what's that? Have you? What's that quote? Like, if something is natural for humans, you don't have to like push them into doing it. So it's right. about like keeping women subversive and subservient and obedient and whatever. And it's like, no, you beat that into you, you know girls from the time they're little because it's not natural. Mm-hmm. And you say this is the natural way of the world. No, if it was the natural way of the world, you wouldn't have to propagandize this to it. Right. In 2017, the Israeli Strategic Affairs Ministry even sponsored an app, 4IL, aimed at combating anti-Israeli propaganda. Somebody hurt my feelings. While Israel has been successful in convincing Western politicians and media agencies of their narrative, they are now facing a new challenge: the rising influence of a generation that has grown up with smartphones and social media. Generation Z. So yeah. So the. They are entrenched into a system that's designed to give people money mm-hmm. to further their narrative. Right. None of these kids are part of that system. No, they don't give a shit. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. No. Like, they, they have been excluded on mm-hmm. purpose, mm-hmm. and now you're paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have a way to reach all these kids. Mm-hmm. You don't have a way to pay them off, Mm-mm. you know? No, and the, the, it used this stuff used to work when there was you know mm-hmm. three or four media outlets and you controlled all. We're gonna get into actually a little later how just how gross they get with that with controlling like mainstream media mm-hmm. or Gen Z propaganda that would have been believed. Another day, another trust me, bro. Source. Mm-hmm. Sorry, meme. I'm pausing. Believed in the past is being challenged by tech savvy youth who use social media networks as their search engines and news feeds. In fact, the abundance of pro-Palestinian messaging on TikTok forced the social media giant to deny allegations that its algorithms were deliberately promoting such content. Yeah, like there's so much pro-Palestinian content among Gen Z that that TikTok was like forced to respond. That's hilarious. Right. What is it? The exact. That's no, not an algorithm thing. No, it's it's just a regular numbers thing. The exact opposite of the things the people control, trying to control the narrative want. Yeah. TikTok pointed out that young people simply support Palestine much more than they do Israel. And the data backs it up. TikTok's free Palestine hashtag has 25.5 billion views, in contrast with Stand With Israel's 440.4 oh, wow. million. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot of pissed off young people. Between do you Israel... ever stop and wonder, are we the baddies? Right. <laughs> No, I don't think they do. I don't think it occurs to them. I don't think that thought actually occurs to bad people. Like, I think only good people ever pause to consider if they're being the bad guys. It's like they, uh, it's like the crazy people don't don't stop to think they're crazy. Right. Only right. sane people question their sanity. I think it's only good people question their morality. Bad people just don't give a shit. They just know they're right and it's fine. Everybody else is other. All right, let's keep going. Increasingly ineffective misinformation campaign 
and the rise of Palestinian content creators and ordinary people using social media to directly document and share Israel's war crimes, young people are losing trust in legacy media. For instance, as part of a condition to access Gaza and report on Israel's ground invasion, CNN and other networks have agreed to allow the Israeli military to have final editorial say. Who does that? What? What self-respecting journalist? One that wants to be safe in a war zone. Yeah, yeah. That's then you're not a journalist. You're you're just a content creator. Great. Well, I mean, you're if, you're not producing. If news, you want to be but... safe, then go make the news about something else. Yeah. You know, if if you want to, you know, play like you're in a war zone. But this is the the whole point of the of the media is call, calling or holding truth to power, and right. this is the exact right. opposite of that. I mean, it's the same thing as, um, you know, being told what questions to ask at a presidential press sure. conference. It's the same fucking thing. I don't know. Like, on one hand, like, at least that's our president. It's our country. They're just letting another country dictate what I they guess play. it's not the like, same thing. It's a form of. Yeah, for sure. I'm form. just like, this is more blatant to me. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Prompting many to conclude that the news agencies on the ground are invariably compromised. By contrast, for? Palestinian journalists have gained almost 14 million followers on Instagram yeah, since out. October 7th. Social media users have also shared their screenshots of genocidal statements made by Israeli officials that were posted online before being deleted, in an effort to highlight the nefarious intentions behind Israel's brutal assault on Gaza. So yeah, you just old school propaganda doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. There, there's camera phones everywhere, and they're in the most dire of circumstances, still managing to get the messages out, which is just incredibly brave. And yeah, and and like I said, you're not gonna convince all the kids otherwise. Yeah. All right, this is really frustrating right here. Israel has attempted to improve its reputation by emailing influencers and media personalities, offering to pay for their public support. But the propaganda bill is racking up, with Israel reportedly spending over $7 million on YouTube ads in the month after the Hamas attack. All right. $7 billion on YouTube ads. Um, let's just think for a second. Didn't we just send them a bunch of money? Yeah, right. <laughs> As we're always aid, sending them a bunch of money to deal with this conflict. Yeah, we're always sending them a bunch of money. So, so, so we paid for those. We ads. paid for yeah, those. Yeah, hundred percent. We yeah. pay for all of that stuff. Yeah. All right. The grossness continues. In November 2023, it was reported that U.S. billionaires were being recruited to fund a media campaign, Facts for Peace, to boost Israel's image. <laughs> Facts for Peace. I. <laughs> I like how the the caption like put it in quotes for us. Yeah, right. And demonize Palestinian resistance group Hamas. Former Google CEO Eric Schmidt, Dell CEO Michael Dell, and financier Michael Milken, together worth some $500 billion, have all been solicited. But despite the financial resources behind the Israeli lobby, these top-down efforts may actually further damage Israel's credibility and deepen the gap between older and younger generations. Good. Dude, I'm telling you, there's no way for that money to reach the, the 18-year-old kid on fucking around on TikTok. Mm-mm. Like, it, you cannot buy them this way. No. Yeah, what you're doing is not working on them. No. 
Alright, we're almost done here. Meanwhile, videos from grassroots Palestinian journalists and activists in Gaza continue to reveal the realities of living under siege and Israeli bombardment. So will social media be the death of Israeli Hasbara propaganda? So yeah. That was... Gosh, that is great. Israeli soldier pointing to the... Uh to the door of the the hobbit's house in the shire all right oops still didn't do that right there we go okay sorry about that okay so that's what that's looking like to be a fascist in israel what about here at home city of seattle is over it and i found one of the best websites i have ever seen it's called policejobssuck.com okay so this is the poster that you can download. So you want to be a cop. You can do better. Seattle Seattle can do better. Less cops, more school nurses. Less cops, more librarians. Less cops, more EMTs. Policejobssuck.com. So I, I hope the website backs these up. It does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh awesome. Good. Yeah. Good, good, so this good. is just the poster. Um, and the, the website, I'm not going to go to this thing and share it, but I basically clipped all the the pieces of it. It's just one page, though. You can check sure. it. So this is their, uh, like, the notes. So Seattle has had enough and is uh, countering the propaganda of a huge marketing firm. Earlier this year, the Seattle Police Department signed a $2.5 million contract with a marketing firm to create a new SPD recruitment brand. Mm. Yeah, isn't that nice? Don't um, go with SPD. <laughs> It sounds a little uh, like Raccoon City-ish to it me. Sounds like STD to me. No, I was thinking more like Resident Evil. Sure. Like, just sounds like the police that are all dead. Right. Uh, so this is just the latest sign of SPD's growing desperation to recruit you to a department that's best known for its racism, violence, and corruption. Mm -hmm. The city of Seattle continues to increase SPD's $355 million budget despite overwhelming evidence that the police force should be shrinking. Hmm. 80% of SPD's calls for service are for non-criminal activity. And according to SPD's own study, at least 50% of all calls could be answered with an alternative non-sworn response. Hmm. Non-sworn. That's yeah. a cool term. Yeah, right? Yeah. Not carrying a gun, your therapist. Yeah. Uh, crisis de-escalation. Oh, that doesn't mean they just don't swear at each other? I don't know. Yeah, it means they don't sure. swear on a Bible. Um, most of what SPD does could be done better by civilians or not done at all if people's basic needs were met. Just like that's the whole point is places where you have the less crime is not where you have the most cops, it's where you have the most resources. Mm -hmm. Like that's... <clears throat> all right, Seattle has to stop throwing money at a failed department where no one wants to work. This is the one time I agree with that statement. <laughs> well, I mean, if 80% of what you do as a cop has nothing to do with why you thought you wanted to be a cop. Yeah, why would you? They probably don't want to work. They probably literally don't want to work. Right. Uh, instead, we should invest in non-police crisis response jobs, teachers, healthcare providers, outreach workers, and all the community programs that actually improve public safety. All right, so yeah, especially, I mean, 
Yeah, doesn't seem like they need to be increasing. Uh-uh. All right, so when you go to the page, this is what you see. Look, so you want to be a cop. Very handsome white guy on the side there. Would you wear a uniform that evokes fear and distrust in your neighbors? Would you risk your mental well-being affecting you and your loved ones? Would you be comfortable with helping send someone to prison for years because of a petty parole violation or nonviolent offense? Would you participate in actions that split apart families? Are there other ways you can build safety beyond policing in your community? You deserve the truth. So this is aimed at potential police recruits. Yeah. Like, uh, recruiters have a seductive pitch tapping into our real needs for stable employment and strong desire for safer community. No, Maybe, we, we kind of hit on this last time. Mm-hmm. Like, there are certain people that want to do this to help people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of them are realizing that they're not actually they're helping, not helping anyone. People. Yeah. Now, maybe you've already heard it. Become a police officer today. It's an honest, secure career devoted to protecting minorities and building partnerships with community. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we need people I like... I mean, if I had to sum it up in one sentence, I don't think I'd go there. No, no. No, that's the pitch, right? That's the sales pitch. Yeah. We need people like you to improve our police force and bring justice in and outside the department. So that's the that's what they say to get you. All right, so here's uh, uh, a quote that you would hear from a recruiter and then why that's not great. Mm-hmm. So, be the change. Who better to police your own neighborhood than you, right? We don't need nicer cops. We need fewer cops. The problem is bigger than one person's values. The problem of police violence is rooted in policing. Right. Full stop. The idea that you can become a cop and inject your own values deeply underestimate the abuses of the police force. They don't give a shit what your values are. They don't... No one has ever changed the police department from the inside. It's never happened. It's never going to happen. Well, I mean, to a degree, but I mean, the law is the law. Like you're you're there to do a thing. Like that seems silly. You'll help us get the bad guys off the street and make a real difference. Being a cop isn't about getting rid of the bad guys. The vast majority of arrests are for marijuana possession or parole violations. And not anymore. Now it's just parole violations. Right. Yeah. More than murder, rape, and other violent crimes combined. By a long shot. By a lot. I'm sure. I don't. I haven't seen those numbers, but that's my guess. Our communities are safe when they're resourced, not policed. The most effective way to reduce violent crime is to provide young people with job job training and employment opportunities. I mean. It's it's not that cut and dry, but it's almost self perpetuating. Mm-hmm. You know, the more money you take away from other things, everything else to give to the police. Give yeah. to the police. The We've more been doing create, this for decades. That the more you create a need for them. exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a self fulfilling prophecy, and yeah. we've been doing it for decades. We've just like we've taken from everywhere and given to the police. We've taken mm-hmm. from schools. We've taken from healthcare. We've taken from housing and given to the police. The police. The police. Like we wonder why things are getting worse, not better. Mm-hmm. It's a career to support your family with. Cops often experience mental, physical, and moral instability. The warrior mentality demanded of cops to be tough, dominant, aggressive, 
and routinely exposed to violent and high-stress situations spills over into the home, leading to higher rates of divorce and child abuse in police families. 40% of police families experience domestic violence. That's 400% higher than national averages. 40%? Yes. Yes. Wow. I mean, that's, that's an epidemic. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, Have you not seen the memes? Like it's like forty I percent mean, is a, it's a meme anymore. Like, no, I haven't heard that that number. I mean, it's it's a known, you know, you yeah. just assume it. No, no, it's it's a Jesus. No, it's a known statistic. Now there's like uh, a meme I saw going around, and it was uh, a police officer, and then he looks like his wife. She's got a black eye, and it's like I can't be racist. My wife's eye is black. <laughs> like. <laughs> Wow. All right. Yeah. No, it's terrible. Like, no, this is a known, known problem. All right. Police do not make our communities safer. SPD cannot arrest its way out of crime, homelessness, mental health, and economic inequality. And that was from the Seattle police chief, Adrian Diaz, last year. Oh, geez. Even he gets it. But, like, there's only so much you can do one, one place, right? Yeah. Um. If we have more police who look like the communities they patrol, there will be less violence. The pressure to prove yourself and the toxic environment of policing means that cops of color use force on our communities just as much as white ones. Black officers are more likely to use force or make arrests, especially of black civilians. They're trying to prove that they belong there. Arab, South Asian, and Muslim cops are used as translators and pressured to catch the bad guys in their community. This pressure leads to entrapment, false accusations, and a general culture of suspicion. The cops sound swell. Increasing diversity in our police departments decreases racism. We need more people of color like you to join. Adding more police officers of color to police departments is like putting a band-aid on a broken leg. It might hide the problem, but it won't fix it. Very often, police departments are as diverse as the cities they work in, but studies show increasing diversity doesn't decrease use of force. It may, in fact, increase it. Increasing diversity in policing is used to distract from and discredit our community's concerns. Sure, sure. I can't be racist. I have a black friend. Yeah. We need more honest cops like you to help fix the problems in our police department from the inside out. Why this is bullshit is cops don't tell on cops. Never. Never. Internal code of silence known as the, the blue wall pressures officers to not report corruption and abuses they witness. It threatens whistleblowers with socialized social isolation, losing backup and physical harm. The few who break the silence are often met with retaliation, spanning harassment, administrative discipline, or termination. I, I mean, if that wasn't true. There's no way you could get to 40% right. domestic violence. Yeah, exactly. No, the like, thing line You is, know enough people who see your blue wife off. with her fucking, you know, face all fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah, your friends will or tell on you. Or your partner comes in and your, is fucking Your friends would tell on you for that. Yeah. Your cop friends won't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So police crimes are not uncommon. Even though it's rare for cops to be held accountable, more than a thousand police officers are arrested every year. Uh, this is like the the TSA. Yeah. Like more of them get in trouble for doing things mm-hmm. than they stop. Than they stop. Than they stop anyone yeah. from doing anything. So uh, 
for the things they mostly get in trouble for is lethal force. On-duty cops kill a thousand people every year. Since 2005, only 77 cops and have been charged and only 26 were actually convicted. A thousand people a year, 26 wow. convicted in almost 20 years. Jesus. No, because they have the, um, what's the thing where they can't be sued for their actions? Oh, uh, um, yeah, in, in Emily or whatever, government employee. Yeah, it'll come to me. Um, another thing they uh, are arrested for is sexual violence, overwhelmingly of minors. Uh, the second highest crime committed by police. Policemen are 150% more likely to sexually assault someone than men who aren't cops. Let's put one in every school. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. When I, when I get Let's raped. Let's put two in every when, school. When I get raped, so I'm supposed to call, I'm supposed to call the police. We're more likely to come in, <laughs> continue the assault versus actually help me. Jesus. Um, and then another thing they uh, are known for doing is cover-ups. Cops are known to plant evidence, to force false confessions, to exaggerate or fabricate their statements, to make up charges like resisting arrest. Yeah, I'm sorry, resisting arrest should not be a standalone charge. It can't be. Like, you cannot, like, if there's nothing to arrest me for, then resisting arrest cannot be my only charge. And right. it happens. You see people that were booked for resisting arrest. Like, that's not a thing. Like, no, you have to place me under arrest first. Right. But no, you ran or you, you know, fucking looked at me wrong or whatever. Ninety um, percent. Yeah, this is a widespread reality of policing. Ninety percent of prosecutors admit they have seen police commit perjury. Well, that system's working great. Yeah, it's working great. Yeah, no, our our criminal injustice system. So, I mean, this reminds me of, you know, all of the, oh, I don't know, CSI and CIS. Blah blah blah. All those different shows. Mm -hmm. All everyone, the propaganda. Everyone loves, you know, when they pull some rabbit out of their hat and they, they catch the guy, and mm -hmm. it's like they fucking violated his human yeah, rights yeah. Oh, yeah. to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like I watch that show and it drives me crazy. Yeah. They just like randomly go behind people's back and do things they should, yeah. and then it's fine. It's we got the. No, it's okay if we tap into his phone. Yeah, no, it's exactly. fucking yeah, not. Exactly. Ping his phone, figure out where he's at. Well, we don't yeah, have they're glorifying this shit. Yeah, they're glorifying this shit. Absolutely. All right. So behind blue lies, behind every blue lie, there's an ugly truth. Police departments across the country work hard to promote their profession. They have entire PR departments focused on recruiting you, increasingly using strategies to recruit Black, uh, Latinx, and Muslim people. I hate that word. Yeah, we don't have to use that. Every people, every year, there are more guides, conferences, and toolkits meant to boost police popularity and reflect the communities they serve. You might meet a recruiter at a job fair in your school or through your, their social media campaigns. You might find yourself talking to a recruiter at one of their back-to-school supply drives, basketball tournaments, barbecues, or other community events meant to rebrand the police. I mean, in one hand... That's fine. Get into the community, you know, put up your booth, whatever. Sure. That's fine. Um, but, you know, a lot of companies don't have to do that mm -hmm. to, to get plenty of employees. Right. You know, supposedly everyone has stacks and stacks of resumes, right? Right. So if you have to try that hard, it's because your job sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. 
terrible yeah. job. So you can do better. Alternatives to careers in policing. Could be a teacher. Child and elder care. Mental health care. Union and community organizing. Yeah. Parks and recreation. Firefighting and EMS. Yeah. Actually helpful jobs in the yeah. community. What's that line? There's a reason there's no song called Fuck the Firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, for, for for me, if I would have, you know, as a young kid ever considered one, I mean, my dad was a firefighter, so sure. I, I would have went that direction anyway. But I try to take myself out of that bias. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you why would you ever be a cop? I when I got out of Fire the military. Way cooler when than I got out cars. of the military, I actually considered it. I looked into becoming a Virginia Beach City police officer. I was, you know, out of the military, but I was still, you know, in shape and young and wanted to help people. And um, so, why not firefighting? Because you got to be strong to be a firefighter. Sure, man. Like, sure. why not? Yeah, like okay. that's a whole other level of yeah. physical, like you know, I mean, firefighters need paperwork then too. Sure, fine. Uh, yeah, that's fine. But yeah. uh, but no, honestly, the thing that talked me out of it was the uh, little amount of training it required. I was like really nervous about it <laughs> it was like six weeks in a classroom and oh like it was it was real not a lot and then you could do like the physical like the the it was definitely more emphasis on your physical stamina and stuff sure. than your actual like knowledge of policing and that made me real uncomfortable so i <laughs> changed my mind and moved on <laughs> not the job you want to get uh uh thrown under the bus no on. no yeah. no that's fine all right, yeah, so, I, I just I feel like there's there's no choice between the two. So this is where they have all of their references. Um, everywhere they, uh, it says that the text is adapted from "So You Want to Be a Cop" pamphlet published by the War Resisters League, which is something I'm gonna have to go look up because that sounds interesting. But all right, that's the details. Yeah, so that is segment. All right, so now we're on to labor history. This week in labor history. Yeah. This uh, happened. And this week, um, the thing that happened goes exactly in with the, the thing that we're going to, that's happening today. Mm. So, this I week, suspect time machines. It, so this week in labor history. Oh, another one uh, just shortly after the war. Yep. All right. So we're going to learn about the very first teacher strike in the United States. Uh, teacher strike faces Twin Cities. 3,000 plan to quit today to get higher pay, and 100,000 pupils may be affected. Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis? And St. Paul. Paul. Minnesota, yeah. yeah, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was from the New York Times, November 25th, 1946. Mm. That was the actual headline. Um, so I just pulled a couple of the bullet points together, so we don't, we're not going to read the entire article. Mm -hmm. um, 3,000 public school teachers of the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul prepared today to strike tomorrow morning for higher wages. A walkout which would cut off classes for 100,000 grade and high school students. 
only sign of hope was in continuing conferences among the Minneapolis mayor, Hubert Humphrey, the superintendent of schools. We don't need that. That is a mayor name. Yeah, right? Isn't that a mayor name? Like, Hubert Humphrey. That that guy, I bet you put him in a group of 10 other people, you could recognize him by his you hat. Pick him out, yeah. Yeah, he has a hat. Yeah, he wears a weird hat. Okay, so here's where the, the root of the issues. In both cities, salary scales were the major issues. However, the St. Paul teachers said they would not return to the classroom even with the increased pay unless the city pledged a $1.7 million at the time, so $24 million today. Mm, a big deal. Yeah, annual appropriation for additional infrastructure and health building improvements. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it, it gets, we put so much focus on the money, but like, like we've learned from the, the pharmacists and, the, you know, the Starbucks walk. Like, it's not always about the wages. In schools, a lot of times, uh, buildings, you know, the infrastructure is a big deal because yeah. they're old. They're old, exactly. You know, I, I bet those buildings, I don't know this because I don't know what the schools are, but they could be 60, 70 years old. Right. You know? All right. So I'm going to read the amount in today's dollars just so um, for not for to what I can talk. To shout less numbers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and you. avoid confusion. So, uh, Minneapolis teachers' salaries now range from 28000 to 52000 which they seek to have increased uh, to a 40000 to $72,000 scale with some differentials for degrees. So, 40000 72000 then if you've got degrees, you can... Yeah, it's wild to me that if you have degrees is a weird thing for a teacher. Like, <laughs> then you didn't have to have a degree to be a teacher. You just wanted to want to be a teacher. Yeah, yeah. Or certain ones get you boosts or whatever. Yeah. But what's crazy is that these are probably the same numbers that they're about to argue. <laughs> Literally, about. like this is about what we're make our teachers are making now. So the yeah. city countered with an adjusted offer of twenty nine thousand to fifty eight thousand. So top price for a teacher is sixty grand a year, but you can't even barely live on that now. Like it's and that's the top yeah, price. That was such that's a small difference. Like yeah. fuck you, we're on strike. Right, dude. exactly. Like, we we are not taking that. So this is the actual page from the New York Times. I like you got like the little uh ads down here, shoes, sweet garments, wine. Uh, but this right here was the actual article. On the top left. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I just thought it was neat. It's like microfiche. All right. Uh, Minneapolis teachers also asked uh, distribution to personnel of an expected $7.2 million Board of Education budget surplus. So, the Board of Education had a budget surplus of $7.2 million that they hadn't spent. And so, the Minneapolis teachers asked for that to be dispersed among the the employees of the they were just holding on yeah. to it while yep. people were striking yep so the well they have the yeah jesus christ uh the city countered with a proposal that each teacher should receive 150 not like 2000 today cost of living adjustment uh and that would total about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars or no that's their time so about 7.2 million if it went to all the employees so that's basically the entire surplus. Sure. But yeah, your math's a little wonky, but I guess yeah, I, it rounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I rounded for, you know, it changes by the day. Um, 
Uh, teachers also demanded a Board of Education campaign to get legislative approval to levy school taxes. The city balked at the request, but has promised to start whatever legislative action might be needed to get extra state appropriations. Uh, and then, so that was Minneapolis-St. Paul also asked for recognition as a bargaining agent for all teachers. Uh, a monthly salary increase retroactive to September 5th. Revision of uh, present salary scales uh, to a $35,000 minimum and a $52,000 maximum, which would ultimately be scaled to $72,000 with the annual preparation for new building improvements and facilities. So like that's what they were asking for. It's a top pay of 72 grand for a teacher and fucking fix a building. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like an unreasonable top pay to me. Like, all right, the, what to do? That's they, city so like get fucked. We're not gonna, we're not gonna. Um, so now that takes us right into obviously they got their money or they uh didn't strike forever. Um, I'm not sure what happened to that. I had a slide with the end of it, but it got deleted somehow. So we're gonna uh they won, they went back, uh they didn't get uh everything they asked for, but they got a lot of it, mm -hmm. if I remember it correctly. But it was the same the city was like, nope, can't happen. Well, I guess it can. Mm -hmm. There's always more money. Always, always, always. Remember that as an employee going to your employer for money, there is always more money. And they're always going to tell you there is. Mm -hmm. All right. So now on to the current Portland teacher strike. Uh, and they. No, I'll, I'll never believe that there's not money for teachers because I know what the administration makes right. in a school building. Yeah, a lot. A lot. A shit ton. Mm hmm. All right, so we're going to start with the video here. Yeah, Brittany, it feels a lot not, less hopeful than it did and a lot less one. certain than it did yesterday. Not, the district reporting that last way. night through a mediator, they learned that PAT had rejected their complete settlement package and at this time has not presented a counter offer. The union, however, says negotiators on both sides did reach what they believed to be a deal earlier this week, and the union, again, called out the school board for shooting down that deal. On week four of the Portland teacher's strike, tension builds between the union four. and the district. What do we want? As a group of teachers, hundreds the, strong, continue to picket, this time crossing bridge. the Burnside Bridge Tuesday morning, PBS board members report acts of vandalism, yeah, that's not nice. like sure the word shame spray-painted on board right? chair Gary Holland's car. This after Fund district leaders now, made shame spray-painted on. Oh yeah, on his $70,000 SUV. Right. Yeah. I keep, can't figure out how to get out of here without going all the way back to... Yeah, Brittany... No, it... I end up closing the entire thing. Okay. All right, so this is an update to an ongoing story. We've talked about this a few times. Uh, Portland teacher strike began November 1st. Um, yeah, just in, you know, they blocked the bridge only for about 15 minutes. Um, they, they weren't trying to be, you know, a total pain in the ass. They were trying to just, you know, 
be heard. Make a new story. Yep, exactly. Yeah, they made a new story, and that's why we're talking about it. And if I, they didn't do that, it may not have been on the news. Right. And you can see this is a more zoomed out picture uh, than what was in the video. It's a lot of people. Like, it's the mm -hmm. entire bridge. That's almost. a big bridge. Yeah. yeah. And it's covered. All right, Portland Public School. That's the one that has the Welcome to Portland sign I, on one end, doesn't it? I don't know the names of the bridges there. Yeah, there's I, too many no, of them. I might be mixing it up. Um, so the 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 school board said that they were very close to reaching a deal, uh, but the the union rejected the counter proposal um, that the school board put forth, and so far there's no counter proposal this was going into holiday weekend on tuesday evening governor tina kotek released a statement expressing that she wants both students and teachers back in class next monday no deal is perfect but a deal must be reached today she wrote calling the uncertainty for parents and students unacceptable i mean the, besides the you know getting the word out there and you know talking about the bridge like there's no story there this is what happens in negotiations. Right. One side does one thing. One side does another. One side. No, but this really frustrated me with the governor. Like, how are you, like. Oh, telling him to get over themselves. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. Like, like, there's one side that can end this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to help, give them more money. Right. Right. If that's a problem, I'm sure it's not. So she posted this on Twitter and it says, over the last few days, my office has intensified our efforts to monitor, support, and encourage resolution of the strike impacting PPS students and families. That's a whole bunch of, we've done nothing. Hopes and prayers? Yeah, exactly. Thoughts and prayers. Exactly. Um, my office labor liaison was in person during negotiations for six consecutive days, including multiple days until midnight. Hold on, for what? Office's labor liaison? There's a person who is. Well, I mean, that sounds all intense and everything. What the fuck does she do the rest of the time? Yeah, so I'm saying. It sounds like, like that's her fucking job. Yeah, exactly. Like, great. So <laughs> that and Woo! what came with that? Nothing. Uh, I have received regular updates. Oh, that's what it was. She's just keeping her updates. She's an ear in the room. Yeah. Cool. Like, you're not doing anything. Um, anyway, I'm not going to read the whole thing because so I've got to click into Twitter to look at me. Things. I'm helping. And, yeah. She's like, you know, two sides need to get this done today. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Get over yourself. So it, it, there's another non-story, though. Like, she didn't mention what any of the hang-ups were. No. She didn't mention why this had happened, why this happened. Nothing. Nope, nope. That's that spot. Just that I'm my trying. Yep. I'm doing my part. Look at me go. Right. I, I got a, a statement yep. out. Yeah. All right. So now we have another video. Uh, Amazon announces layoffs in its Alexa division. Hold on. Before you go any further, I really hope this is because people are not using it. It's not. Oh, come I mean, on. it's kind of. That's just hey, Amazon started laying off hundreds of workers to put more resources into AI. The workers impacted are in the Alexa go. division. That's why. In a statement of King Five. Is there steering away from Alexa? And Hold on, I gotta, to, I gotta push back on this story too. That's not a layoff. That's just moving jobs from one place to to another. No, these jobs Alexa, are going away. What these people do, those jobs are gone. 
to focus on AI was the next sentence. Yeah, but those people aren't going to do that. Those people aren't AI people. Like, they're, they're AI things over here, and they're doing that, and those jobs are happening, but they're just like, you know what? We don't even give a shit about this anymore. You're done. Uh, they aren't moving those people from Alexa. You're probably right. AI department. But, I mean, that's how it works. Like, they need to shrink this and then grow this. Amazon doesn't need to shrink anything. They're the richest company in the history of the fucking world. Okay. Yeah. I've Amazon they says are. in part, quote, we're shifting some of our efforts to better align with our business priorities and what we know matters most to customers, which includes maximizing our resources and efforts focused on generative AI. Amazon has been in cost-cutting mode since last year. The company has slashed more than 27,000 jobs, the largest number of layoffs in history. Hey, right. That's started. the story. Right. <laughs> not not exactly. the, not the hundred of lots of jobs. Right. Okay. It's now, the part of the bigger whatever. No. 27,000 jobs that they're just yeah. like, just, we got a pair of shareholders, but we can't pay labor. Itself, like 100 here and 100 there is how a company operates. Uh, but no, 27,000. But that's just watching an entire division. Yeah. Like that's not just, you know, whatever here and there. Like that's, that's a whole bunch. Uh, yeah, 27,000 is quite a bit. I'm still going to close this whole thing. Hey, I'm no. Ah, there we go. All right, now we've got, um, this is insane. Swedish workers are getting under Elon Musk's skin. Are they sending him mean tweets? No, uh, no, they're striking. And he is a historically anti-union person. I'm surprised he has plants in Sweden. That, Mm -hmm. That surprises me. They seem... To um, socialist, yeah, yeah, yeah like not to anymore. independent for him. One of the things we're going to talk about is their new. Or no, that's not Sweden. No, they've got all other issues too. Um, anyway, uh, it has taken nearly a month, but workers uh, striking against Tesla in Sweden have finally drawn a response from the company's famously anti-union boss. This is in. He hasn't even said nope, anything. No, hasn't said anything. No, hasn't. He just is refusing to engage. Just is it? Don't care. No, not, don't, no. It's possible that's what he so, was advised to do, but either way, no, that's it's fucking not. hilarious. He doesn't listen to anything he's advised. No, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, but that's, he's not even pissed off about the strike. He's pissed off there's been sympathy strikes happening. And that's the thing that makes him that. So, Musk is responding to the news that Swedish postal workers are refusing to deliver Tesla license plates, joining a wave of action in sympathy with mechanics who stopped servicing Tesla cars late last month. Oh, so I thought this was factory workers. It is. So these are sympathy strikes, which are illegal in the United States, but are not illegal in Sweden. So the postal workers are also striking Tesla. The mechanics are not fixing Tesla cars. Interesting. Like they're just, so nothing is moving in Tesla world. Gotcha. Uh, About 130 mechanics began their ongoing strike in October after their employer, a Tesla subsidiary in Sweden, announced that it would not recognize their labor union. Fine, get fucked. <laughs> Announce him. I mean, you can reckon, not recognize it all you want. We're not fucking working. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the industrial. Is that act- just like turning away and going, I can't see you. Yeah, I can't exactly. Hear you. you don't exist. Yeah. 
Uh, the industrial action soon spread to dock workers who started blocking deliveries of Tesla cars at the country's ports to electricians who stopped maintenance work for the car maker and other workers in tune. Love it. This is about good wages, good pensions, and good insurance for all our members who work at Tesla. Uh, yeah, you're not dealing with a, the United States where everyone can, you know, stab their neighbor in the back yeah. for, for a dollar raise. No. Yeah, these people no, live together. Yeah, this exactly. is a community. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've nego been negotiating with Tesla for a long time. They have refused to sign a collective bargaining agreement and violate basic principles in the Swedish labor market. Yeah. So, no, this is where one of those things where Elon Musk thinks all, all the money in the world is going to save him from something. Like, it gives him his power. It's like, it doesn't. You mm -hmm. have no power here. Like, if you want your cars there, you have to, you have to give him. Yeah. Like, that's just it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, especially something like a car, they'll make their own. Yeah. Like, dude, get fucked, dude. Yeah. So this is the, the Tesla plant in Sweden. All right. Unionizing at Tesla has proven difficult uh, in the U.S. Uh, at least three attempts by its U.S. workers to organize have failed, mainly as a consequence of aggressive tactics by the company and weak protections for labor in the United States. Shocker. Right. Yeah. Sweden has a little better labor protections than we do here. You mean their president doesn't bust up their, their uh, right. labor their strikes. Um, The National Labor Relations Board has repeatedly called out Tesla and Musk for illegal or improper anti-union activities, such as interrogating employees and disciplining or otherwise discriminating against workers because they support unions. Which is illegal. Right. The world's richest man has also been vocal about his opposition to unions and caused the ire of the Labor Relations Agency when it directed him to delete the 2018 tweet that hinted Tesla employees would lose their stock options if they formed a union. He just, like, puts the illegal labor crimes out in the open. It was like when he... He gets away with enough of them yeah. and pays so little consequences on the ones that he does get caught on. Right. I don't fucking blame him. Sure. Like, as irritating as it is. Like, just keep throwing, just keep throwing the darts and see what hits. Yeah. Uh, German unions have pressured the company to implement a collective bargaining agreement for its 11,000 workers at the factory near Berlin. Uh, Tesla pays its workers less than other car makers in Germany and gets rid of employees who are sick too often. That was a quote from a German employee. Hmm. Uh, more than a thousand workers. I, I have a hard time understanding how they're even competing. Like, like if they're, they're not paying for shit, like why wouldn't you just go work somewhere else? I mean, maybe there's a Both lot of Both of those jobs. places we're talking mm -hmm. about have lots we're of about other to, car makers. Yeah, we're about to talk about this. So, yeah, that's like the last thing here. Um, so, more than a thousand workers at the factory joined the union during a day of protest. Just one single day, a thousand workers walked out. Uh, earlier this year, Tesla launched an application to double the production of uh, capacity of the plant to one million EVs. This is the German plant we're talking yeah. about? Okay. Uh, and if the expansion happens, the factory will overtake Volkswagen, sealing its crown as Europe's biggest car factory. Which is a massive facility. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, oh, I used to know this one at a car. Wolfsburg. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Massive, like acres. All right. So that is labor. 
And now we have our spot the propaganda segment. And um, if you're if you're going to like hone your uh, propaganda uh, skills, MSNBC is a great place because it's pretty blatant. Mm. So so that's where we're gonna start. We figure we'll start. Somewhere. It's like the level two and three Sudoku puzzles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Right. All right, so this is from an opinion piece, so I'll, you know we'll make that note. Sure. Um, but it's still MSNBC. So Republicans' view of the economy are completely detached from reality, which is like, is it though? I mean, everyone's is. All right, so I've got memes on this just because it's long and I had to break it up some. So you want to read these? Yeah. There's a cost to there's a cost to us as a news organization knowingly broadcasting untrue things. We are here to bring you the news. Rachel Maddow. And then underneath is the guy. Oh, right? the uh, uh, the news boss from Spider Man. I can't remember his name. Saying, oh, you're serious and laughing. Yep. Busted out loud. Yep. All right. By most standard measures, the American economy is going gangbusters. Joe Biden can trumpet the fact that just under 14 million jobs have been created since he took office, a record for any American president. Fun fact 25 million jobs were lost during the pandemic. He's brought 14 million of them back. This goes back to what we were talking about last episode of uh, these guys, the presidents, they they can't really accomplish anything in four years. Mm -mm. No, it's they, all a delayed. They can, they can put things in motion or mm -hmm. they can, you know, kind of react to things or not react to things, you know, if it's a hurricane or something. Right. Um, but these are useless measures to, to a degree without the without the additional context. Right. Right. Because if you started looking at these numbers in 22, mm -hmm. 2022, like you could make this look however you want. Oh, and they do. Yeah, they do. And, and that's what, of course, that's what they do. Wow. Right. Because it's the, it's, you know, they're spinning the news to their favor. Like mm -hmm. the, um, uh, what was the, the Israeli one called? The evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So this, one of the, the quote was, and people are certainly acting like the economy is good. Spending is strong. So then they have notes on there. So I followed the link for their note where they got that source. And that source said, inflation is keeping prices high, resulting in more spending. Their own source discredited the premise that people are spending, so that's a good thing. Spending is strong. People are spending a lot of money. They're just getting less stuff. Right. Uh... I'm spending more. Yeah. Um, even though one of them is not rent because now I'm homeless. Right. Yeah. Um, they also said Americans are starting new businesses at record rates. So this wasn't from their own link. I actually had to go find this somewhere else. And I do have all my notes in my show notes. So, um, But people are doing this out of necessity. Amid a surge in layoffs and company closures, and inflation has driven more people to form businesses, including side hustles. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, no, hustle culture. Yeah, people yeah. are forming businesses. Like they're doing it based on the number of EINs created. 
which anybody can go online to the IRS and create an IEN, sure. IEN whatever, uh, for anything. I've, I've had several of them myself, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's, um, but it's like, they're not considered, well, are those businesses making any money? Are they successful? Are they just like, no, we're, we're starting businesses. Yeah, People I mean, don't usually do that unless they're secure about their future. But in this it's instance. It's an example of a true statement being used incorrectly. Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, they are starting new businesses at record rates. Yeah. But not because what? <laughs> because our current. The you're saying. No, because our current system is failing us. Yeah. So we have to say, hello, we're here doing this. We're here trying to, you know bring in some extra cash so we can help pay our bills, right? Like, we're very much a part of, like, this this trend of, okay, we cannot count on our jobs to provide us enough yeah, money to live on. Everyone has to have something extra yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yet, when pollsters ask people how they think the economy is doing, they don't just express concern. They say the economy is terrible. Uh, the polling data doesn't show that Americans think the economy stinks so much as it shows that Republicans say it stinks. No, idiot. <laughs> People are hurting. We can't pay our bills. It, yeah, it, that's, I mean, I don't see the data, but that, that seems silly. No, they're just, uh, it, uh, I'll get there. All right. So there are certainly many reasons a particular person might feel bad about the economy. High inflation rates, high inequality, high healthcare costs, unaffordable housing, enormous student loan debt, and nine in 10 workers lack union representation. But those are not recent developments. That's his reason for why those things aren't the problem, because they're not new. Like, no, we've been dealing with all of those things for decades, and they're compounding and compounding and only and getting worse. worse. Like, exactly. So his whole thought is that 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 doesn't count because they're not new problems. So, so you shouldn't consider them into whether or not you're answering the question of it's the economy doing well. Jesus. Like, these people conflate the economy with the stock market. Right. Period. Right. Like, is the stock market doing well? That's not the economy. Mm -mm. All right. It is absurd for anyone to honestly say that because a box of frosted flakes cost a buck or two more than it did a few years ago. That means the economy is worse than it was during the greatest economic crisis of our lifetimes. Um, I have an example of this. Go for it. So, growing up in Alaska, um, while everyone else was enjoying a dollar menu mm -hmm. at uh, at many fast food places, ours was always dollar fifty, two dollars. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like a whole lot. No, but it is. It's That's, fifty percent yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. Or twice as much right. sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, but you make more money up there, right? Not that much Not more. Not that much more. Yeah. Not uh, 50% like more. It, they yeah. had a slightly higher minimum wage. Sure. Slightly. Yeah. Like, like I, I grew up in Vail, so it was the same thing. So yeah. Tourist town. That's yeah. The, the $1.99 Happy Meals for us were three twenty nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. So, no, like, this guy has very clearly never had to grocery shop on a budget and cried when they raised the prices of everything $3. Right. Cause now that's 10 things you can't put in your yeah. car. Yeah, like, sorry kid, you're not getting cereal this yeah, week. Yeah, no, this guy yeah. looks very clearly, just the way he said, absurd for anyone to say that a, because a box of Frosted Flakes costs a buck or two more. No, that is a big deal. Because it's not just a Frosted Flakes, it's literally everything. Right, it's not gonna like, be the only thing that went up. Yeah, exactly. If it was just a Frosted Flakes, fine. We wouldn't be having this conversation.
And then, yeah, it must be true. You heard it on MSNBC. But you like with the card me. Um, if someone says the economy today is particularly bad, worse even than the Great Recession, then either they're deluded or they're lying. Quick question. How are you feeling now compared to 2008? More stable or less stable? Way less. Way less, right? Way less. Like a lot, a lot less. <laughs> That's so, a great recession. Yeah, 2000, yeah, that was the housing market bubble. Okay, so, and he does, like, try to, like, own it. This, all right, I'll show you. Yeah, for, um, this is funny. I was searching for me <laughs> and I found a t-shirt that says MSNPC uh, as a non-playing character and it's the NBC logo where all the peacock feathers are just like a straight face stick figure guy. It's very funny. Alright. So this is his, his quote. Uh, like saying like he's talking as if I was talking to him. Like, I'm trying to contradict him. So he says, bandy about your economic statistics all you want, you snooty elitist. What matters is what people really feel, and you won't convince them things are great by denying they're telling you about their own lives. Like, touche, right? But we already discussed those statistics are based on faulty premises. So, cool, if you actually had statistics that that backed up your story. Right. Right? But no, you're just you're just... Yeah. Oh, congratulations, dude. You're doing really well right now, yeah. apparently. Good for you. If you can't see that everyone else isn't, right. then, then you're... That's, you're like, that's like that Bill Maher. You, you right? might be out of touch. Right, when Bill Maher says that every, you know, he drives around LA and everything's fine and people are overreacting. And then like, well, did you go down to Skid Row? Well, no, why would I go there? Right? Like, good. Your class is doing fine. So this is... Uh, when you break poll results on the economy out by party identification, you see how eager Republicans are to say the economy is terrible. That's because the de Democrats are now the party of the ruling elite and the PMC NPCs. Right. Like, the, like yeah, the Republicans are the, the party of the working poor. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're good. We, I'm not fucking Republican. I'm not any of this bullshit anyway. But... They're the ones that are going to say the economy I mean, bad. One of, one of those groups is is going to listen when Biden says that things are better. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And one of them isn't. Right. So. Yeah. 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 Your viewers tell them the tell you the economy is fine because that's what you tell them while you're right. gaslighting them into higher credit card debt to fucking keep up keep up. Like it's gross. Anyway, so there's our our spot the propaganda episode. Lots. Our segment, yeah. All right, now we have our uh, mutual aid signal boost. Um, uh, during this segment, we will read all relevant chats, even if they are unpaid. If you work with a mutual aid group or know of any that we should know about, this is the time to spread the word. If you're not watching this live and want to tell us about a mutual aid group, you can email us at divergentpolitics at gmail.com and we'll share that info during our next episode. And we'll also post any relevant website links in the show notes from that episode. So as soon as we start doing this live, we might actually start getting <laughs> some comments. But um, until then, if you guys email us, we're happy to, to share any that we get. And now we're on to political headlines. 
right? And this is a mix of videos on each slide. All right, so another story from Sweden, like I said, it's being overrun by child soldiers. All right, and this video is long. Um, it's a really complicated issue, and I couldn't even find a shorter video. I could only find much longer ones. Um, but uh, we're gonna we're only gonna watch about half of it anyway. Sweden is planning to bring forward measures to curb gang crime that's risen to unprecedented levels. A new report shows young people. In particularly being drawn into a cycle of violence, often being recruited by other teenagers. EW's Terry Schultz has visited the southern Swedish city of Helsingborg, where local activists are trying to break the cycle. Teenagers shot dead in the woods. Gang warfare has reached such dangerous levels in Sweden, the government has called on the army for help. Like, that's terrifying. You got gang violence so bad you're calling on your military. I had no idea this was anything going on. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Mm -mm. No, this was news to me. More and more children and innocent bystanders are falling victim. I cannot overemphasize the seriousness of the situation. But increasingly, children aren't just the victims, they're also the perpetrators. Gang members I met say even they are appalled. Yeah, like how bad does your shit have to be that you're like grossing out the gang members? Like, your gang shit. Like, how bad does your gang shit have to be that your gang members are grossed out? Is this all drugs? Drugs. Not just drugs, but yes. When you're 10 years old, you can earn 10,000 euros in one month. 11, 12-year-old kids kill each other. People pay 100,000 for one murder, and it's a kid that does it. And those... Yeah, kids committing money, murder for money. So it must be drugs then. Who've uh, long been working to end such incidents are shocked. Especially the young, the really young perpetrators and victims. Uh, it's, it was impossible to, to even think about that this could happen here. Less impossible to imagine in some neighborhoods, like this one in the southern Swedish city of Helsingborg, where there are bullet holes in school playgrounds. Yeah, here. like at the school. Here. This is an elementary oh, school. Omar Al-Mali grew up here and is trying to improve the neighborhood. There are ages you don't need to know about these things. You don't need to know about shooting, about drugs, about these things. You need to be protected. Yeah, like these are yeah. elementary school kids. Just wild. You know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not on the 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 helicopter parent, you know, shelter your children, but like, man, they should be safe from shootings at school. I guess we're mm -hmm. and it's different than like this is not like a school shooting, it's like a drive-by happening outside the school. Mm -hmm. It's not somebody going in and shooting up a school, which seems to be a uniquely American problem. Teacher Lina Darawi tries to protect students by building trust and intervening if she sees them headed down the wrong path, which she can detect at very early ages. I can see the 
Darawi says the government should put more money into after-school programs as an alternative to the streets, where, she warns, the youth, feeling disconnected from Swedish society, are seeking out the gangs themselves. They see it glamorized in the media and rap culture, she tells me. And teens become the recruiters. I know friends in my school that sells. He told me... One time he come to me and told me, do you want to sell? I told him, no, bro, why are you doing this? That's why Omar Al-Mali has set up his own help group. Yeah, no, they've got kids recruiting kids, like people in the schools, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, gang prop games have always been an issue here, but it seems like it's a like whole other level of escalation. Yeah, it's, right it now. seems like it's it's gone wild yeah. called united brothers so at least once a week thanks to the goodwill of his employer these teens have a place to go he inspires us to do good things el mali also guides yeah, teens to other positive role models like world champion muay thai boxer mustafa abutaka abutaka like wants the, these kids to are uh, like super lax drug laws Ain't sweet. I, no, I didn't like this seems to be like the other side yeah, maybe. Like, if you're not doing anything for these kids, yeah, like they, they seem like they're bored. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is they have nothing to do after school, so they go find somewhere. Um, and you, they get into it later, but it's definitely the poor kids. Like, oh, 100. Of course, it's it always right? is. Right. So. Yeah, because if they were rich, they don't call them gangs. Right. They call them social clubs. Right. And other things like that. <laughs> yeah. No, of course they're poor kids. Yeah both accomplished and integrated. He purposely trains them under a huge Swedish flag. But like El Mali, he receives no government funds and has a hard time finding help. He can't take on more students. Some people yeah, don't want to do it for so free. Much they can do. I think the government should go in and sponsor more and uh, give us more, uh, more uh, place to be in and uh, more capacity. Those who do get in know they're lucky. Aziz says he sees the nine and ten year olds being groomed by gangs and then committing God. crimes later. At 16, he says like... he turns away because he can come yeah. here. When I just step in the mat and take and put my gloves on, it's uh, I'm in another world. In the world he leaves behind, the gang members tell me they want to stop other youth from leading their lives. Yeah, they is... urge Swedish society to integrate kids from at risk neighborhoods fast. Me, I'm old, it's too late. But these kids, they can become doctors, they can become pilots, they can become everything. Show them that. Omar Al-Mali is doing his best to show both youth and Swedish authorities they have to make good choices now if they want a better future. So yeah, so that's, uh, then they continue to discuss, but we're not going on. Yeah, good luck. Sweet. All right, so now we got a little more information that I found that wasn't uh, in the video. Mm. Um, so execution-style shootings are being carried out by child soldiers, apartment buildings rocked by bombings, innocent relatives targeted in vendettas, and the morning news summarizing the night's death toll have all become disturbingly routine in the normally quiet country. Sweden's gang wars have smoldered for a decade over the control of the drug market. Yeah. Uh, but they took a drastic turn early this year when an internal feud led to gay, gang members, families, and loved ones also becoming targets. Yeah, fucking blood, blood feud spilled over. Yeah, but I mean, the, I guess the point there, though, is 
they didn't just start recruiting since earlier this year when an no, internal but, feud. Yeah, like this, this has been going on so, for a long time. Yeah, check out that um, car on fire. Yeah, this looks like um, America <laughs> After prohibition era. <laughs> or that too, <laughs> right? They were just fighting each other to yep. the point where it was killing innocent people. Yep. That's when they did something about it. So, criminology professor Philippe Estrada, donor of uh, Stockholm University, uh, said, The situation has gotten totally out of control. They've started attacking loved ones and those who have nothing to do with these conflicts. This is a big change from the violence that has prevailed until now. 47 people have been killed in 314 shootings so far this year, police said, compared to only seven deaths in 2016. Wow. That's a big difference. Yeah. 60%. A lot. The victims and the perpetrators are increasingly young. Gangs now recruit kids to carry out contract killings, some younger than 15, knowing they can't be jailed. So that's the law in Sweden, is if you're under 15, you can't be jailed for committing murder. So they're Mm -hmm. having a bunch of 13, 14-year-olds go around and kill people because they can't go to jail. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty bleak. Right? And, great, uh, the Prime Minister blamed the rise in organized crime on naivete over immigration and irresponsible immigration policy and failed integration, let us hear the conservative leader say. Mm. It's always the immigrants. Never the fact that we're not investing in our own communities and we're disaffecting our own citizens. It's always the immigrants. It's always the immigrants' problem. That makes it crazy. Plus, yeah, just police officer patrolling around. Uh, how is it possible that young Swedes in one of the richest countries in the world have gotten to the point where they're willing to kill and kill their best friend to boot? Uh, well, they, that's easy. They're not rich. Yeah. They just are in the richest country. Right. Like, that's like us. Yeah. Sounds like they're poor. Right. No, I, I maintain that America is basically the movie set of a first world country, but it's actually a third world country. Mm. We all just live on the movie set of a first world country with like right. fancy screens and whatever, but we're all fucking starving and malnourished and poor and whatever. Um, so Alexander Zedrinzi Resnik said he's lost count of how many of his friends have died. I used to say that our kids grow up too fast, but our kids don't even live long enough to become adults. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. All right, so that ends the international. Oh, no, one more. Nope, two more. Sorry. Wrong ship. I have two videos about ships and I backed them up. So, still in Europe. European far right leaders celebrate Gert Wilder's party leading Dutch election exit polls. So, we're going to go through this pretty quickly because I'm just going to read the things that the various leaders said. So, far right figures across Europe have congratulated the Dutch anti Islam. Anti-EU populist politician Gert Gert Wilders and his party for freedom. Uh, Viktor Orban from Hungary said, Congratulations on winning the Dutch elections. The winds of change are here. Marine Le Pen from France uh, said, The result confirms the growing attachment to the defense of national identities. Alice Wiedel, co-leader for Germany's far-right alternative for Deutschland party, Congratulations to this great success. All of Europe wants political change. It's not great leaders, great places to be 
far right. You remember the last time we had far right leaders in all those countries? Mm-hmm. Didn't go well. So this is the actual election results for anybody who cares. I don't know enough about Dutch elections to understand it all, but I here's my sources. <laughs> um, Belgium's far right leader. I'm gonna mostly skip the names because I'm just gonna butcher them. Um, he said it's clear the population is yearning for real change, not only in the Netherlands but also in Flanders. Parties like our are coming out all over Europe. Uh, Spain's far-right party leader says more and more Europeans demand in the streets and at the polls that their nations, their borders, and their rights be defended. So just more of that. Close the borders. Immigrants are bad. Which is just like, the timing of that couldn't be worse because we're about to be overrun with a whole bunch of climate change refugees. Like, that's about Mm -hmm. to be like, whole swaths of the earth are going to be up, that are currently populated are going to become uninhabitable. Those people have to go somewhere. And so we've got all of these wealthy countries just closing off their borders. This is textbook end-stage capitalism. Yeah. It, that's, Which that's, ends this in fascism. This is exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Like it's, as we destroy and have conflicts in areas that create refugees, it creates these sentiments mm-hmm. and, you know, repeat cycle. Yeah. So um, the Deputy Prime Minister of Italy called Wilder's a friend and ally of the League, saying a new Europe is possible. Uh, not everyone is thrilled. Or, uh, some of the Muslims and Moroccans are worried about being portrayed as second-class citizens. They're worried about his straight-up climate change denial. And, uh, yeah, that they're going to have to fight hard to, to keep him from taking a whole country into the far right. So that's the guy in the middle there casting a, a ballot. Um, and so this is his, like, who he is, like, what he ran on. Mm-hmm. So sometimes called the Dutch Donald Trump, which is, that's what we want. It's our best export, the Donald Trump politics. Yeah. Uh, the Dutch will be number one again. The people must get their nation back. He ran on the Netherlands leaving the European Union. And ending the asylum tsunami. That's his quote. Like there is, there's a flood of people uh, at the at the border. They, he just wants to end asylum. Period. We don't do that here anymore. Which I'm pretty sure is against international law. But um, he also uh, ran on migrant pushbacks at the borders. He also wants the de-Islamization of the Netherlands, including no mosques and no Islamic schools in the country. So, yeah, real real open-minded guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's it for that guy. And uh, so real scary uh, what's currently happening in Europe. So um, Now we have... Uh, Houthi rebels stole and uh, stole a ship. And the uh, this article, their uh, stance on it is that the only thing we can do is uh, work with Iran, which I'm not an expert in the subject, but I'm skeptical of. So this is the this article's thesis, not mine. So short of risking enough, um, what? Why would we do anything? 
Uh, because people are getting their ships taken and stolen. Then we got to do something. Uh, every ship I've heard would had nothing to do with American. No, it's yeah. Israel. No, it's Israel. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So okay. proxy America. Oh, it sounds like they're fucking problem. Yeah. Well, tell Biden that. Um. So short of risking an escalation, there's only one reasonable way the U.S. can accomplish this by quietly taking Iran's help. Uh, a Houthi spokesperson confirmed the boat was seized. The boat. Boat. The boat <laughs> was seized for being Israeli owned. Uh, after vowing they would not hesitate to target any Israeli vessel in the Red Sea or any place we can reach. Uh, Israel has denied any link to the vessel, although ownership details and public shipping database suggest it is owned by one of Israeli's, Israel's richest men. So, some more Israel propaganda. Not ours. We don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So this is the boat in question. The Galaxy Leader. Uh from a few years ago, but this is this is the boat that was taken over. Like mm -hmm. it's not a small little thing, not a little dingy. Yeah, they landed helicopters on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So capitalism must go on. Still gotta have shipping. Mm -hmm. So what now? So according to like said, this article, uh, there are three options to prevent further hijackings. Uh, one is sending armed troops to accompany commercial traffic. Uh, number two is target the Houthis directly. And number three is de-escalation. And they say this might be the most realistic way out, but only if all parties involved show restraint. Which, you know, is something rebels taking over ships are known for. It's just their restraint. Right. right. Um, another hijacking could have a snowball effect, pulling in other countries more actively into an already devastating conflict and pushing it to the point of no return. Here's just, you know, World War III. Ready to... Uh, since October 7th, the U.S. has deployed two carrier strike groups to the area, uh, CSG-2 and CSG-12, which are led by the USS Dwight E. Eisenhower and USS Gerald R. Ford, respectively. Uh, each of the two groups has a clearly defined task. Uh, CSG-12 is to monitor the wider area of Israel, Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq, and act against any threats that could escalate the conflicts. Right? Yeah, that face. That the, is a scary fucking sentence. Yep. And the CSG2 is there to watch Iran and act against it if the situation is So, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, like that character's whole purpose is to just sit off the coast of Iran. Just wait. They're saying that's the, uh, as a way to show them we're not uh, being hostile. It's like, you want to talk about what it's costing someone that that one ship didn't get there, or ten ships, or fifty fucking ships? What is it costing to keep two carrier groups yeah. on active? Uh, what is ready? Yeah, you know, sitting there ready. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, so we got the video of the actual. We're just going to watch this. Houthi rebels from Yemen were seen storming a cargo ship in the Red Sea. In a video released by the Iran-backed group on Monday, yeah, they took their own its video. fighters appeared to land by helicopter onto the top deck. They brandished they weapons onto the ship's crew and ordered them to lie down. The seized ship, the Galaxy Leader, is now in Yemen's Hodeida port area, according to its owner, Galaxy Maritime, which is registered in the Isle of Man. 
The Houthi movement claims the galaxy leader has links to Israel. However, Israel has denied this and says the seized ship was British-owned and Japanese-operated. Yeah. Like, you know, the how the ownership of ships is, like, where they're first and where they're, like, countries are first. It's so convoluted. From Bulgaria, Ukraine, and it could be owned by whoever doesn't matter and is used by... The, vessel. Yeah. the Houthis are a group aligned with Iran that have emerged as a major military force in the Arabian Peninsula. Last week, the leaders said they would target Israeli ships in the Red Sea and said attacks would continue until, quote, Israeli aggression, referring to the war against Hamas in the Gaza Strip, is stopped. So yeah, that's the... A representative from Hamas thanked Israel the Houthis keeps doing this, seizing the ship. He called it a welcome step in support of the Palestinian Well, people. I mean, if that one carrier group on is doing seizure, its it job, it's going to fire on these guys. And demanded the Houthis immediately release right. the yeah. vessel. All right, so that's that video. And then we're on to the riots that happened in Dublin overnight. Uh, 34 were arrested. Uh, rioting was triggered by the stabbing of three young children. Um, and it turns out that the, the guy they uh, have in custody, he's in the hospital still, but he's... Uh, Bulgarian not he's uh, he's a citizen but like immigrant citizen so like that's what fed off the thing is we have this fucking immigrant is stabbing our kids let's get and then it escalated from there mm. so rioters smashed shop windows set fire to police cars bushes and a tram and clashed with officers and violence rarely seen in the Irish capital rarely seen my ass a five-year-old girl remained in critical condition following the stabbing which happened near a school Police who say they have not rolled out any motive, including terror. Uh, there was no immediate speculation that he was foreign, which again, we have found out that he is a, you know, he's nationally citizen, but he's, he's brown, not white. Gotcha. Uh, the man is in his late 40s being treated for serious injuries. Police said they were not looking for any other suspects. Uh, police blamed far-right agitators for starting the violence after a small group of anti-immigrant protesters arrived at the scene of the stabbings and clashed with police. That's mm -hmm. it. Dude stabbed the kids. Police showed up. The they wanted the group like wanted to, wanted to lynch, lynch him. him. Exactly yeah. right. They were let us at him. We want to lynch him. Yeah. Right. And so then they rioted when the police wouldn't let them have him. So it took officers several hours to regain control. Um. They were carrying signs uh, said, uh, saying Irish Lives Matter. The crowd was 200 to 300 people. Uh, people were urged to stay away from the city. Um, one officer was seriously injured. So there you can see somebody being manhandled by the police. I don't know who it is. There wasn't any like, context. But we can just... That's what's going on. Uh, members of the public intervened in an early stage of the knife attack, including, oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking Brazilian, but that's the guy who helped. I don't remember what that shot the guy was that uh, did the did the stabbing. I was thinking of this guy had that knife. Um, the, the Brazilian immigrant, he knocked the assailant to the ground. Like, he was the one that, like, 
jumped into the defense. Mm -hmm. um, and then a 17-year-old French student said that he grabbed the attacker's knife as the group pushed him to the ground. Uh, police said a female worker in her 30s was also seriously injured, along with two other children. Uh, small anti-immigrant protests have grown in the last year, particularly at migrant accommodation centers in the capital. The government is reviewing security around Parliament after recent protests trapped lawmakers inside. It's not great, right? This is this is pretty short, so we can watch it. <laughs> Fires, police cars. Dude, you don't fuck with the Irish, man. They know how to riot. Yeah. They know how to riot. They know how to blow shit up. Yeah. So this is where I got it from that the guy was. Then I said, who? And they pointed down the road to a man who was on the ground on his side with blood coming out of his mouth. <laughs> you see that putting fireworks in the police car? Yeah. yeah and a bus. And fought with police. There's that Irish Lives Matter sign. There's fire. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you. Fireworks shot at a column of police officers. On Garishikona, continue investigation. All as you can appreciate, this is the very early stage of the investigation, which is uh, not even four hours old at this stage. But at this time, Angarishigana is satisfied from our inquiries that there is no terror-related activity or related to any wider aspects in relation to this matter. It no, would appear to be a standalone kids, no attack, and we need to determine the reasons behind that. Those kids talking shit or what? Yeah, I don't know, man. Weird. I don't know if he's mentally ill. Yeah, we don't. We they aren't releasing anymore. He's in the hospital, um, and as soon as he's deemed well enough. To be in custody, they will arrest him. Sure, sure. So, all right, now we're. I mean, anytime you attack a five and six year old child, you're mentally ill. Right, I would. No, no matter what the reason is, especially multiples of them. Yeah. All right, so now this is Louisiana oil leaks into the Gulf of Mexico, and this is just a video we'll get to. And the U.S. Coast Guard released a statement saying a large oil spill off the coast of the New Orleans has released more than a million gallons of crude oil a into the Gulf gallons. of Mexico. Officials said the spill happened near the main pass oil gathering company's pipeline system. Southeast of New Orleans, the Coast Guard MPOG and the Louisiana Oil Spill Coordinator's yeah, Office have formed an unified command team to investigate the source of the they, spill. We, they wouldn't know where it's coming from. As of yet, unknown. Yeah, it was coming from a pipeline. Has deployed several uh, overflights and boats um, out in the near shore and, and offshore looking for potential wildlife impacts over the last couple of days. Um, I was out on one Saturday. But if that um, came out, the, the like, I found the most area, recent I did observe uh, a couple of video I could find on it and I still didn't know. Now, the maybe, maybe volume not, of discharge um, oil is not known. The Coast Guard said initial engineering calculations placed the volume of the leak at 1.1 million gallons. And the US yeah, that's a lot of oil. 
Yeah. So yeah, no. Like, yeah, I mean, I know they leaking. shut down a certain line to stop it from leaking. I don't sure. know that they actually found the leak source. I don't know. Yeah, my understanding is they were still looking for it. So, all right, and then we have our last political uh, topic on that. Uh, oh, no, one more. Sorry, we got one more video. This one is not video. Uh, lawmakers mystified after NASA scales back Mars collection program. This is short. It just pissed me off, so I wanted to share it. Well, lawmakers from both parties are taking aim at NASA's recent decision to cut funding for the Mars sample return mission, calling the move short-sighted and misguided. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh-uh. This is already half done. Uh, we can't afford it now after fucking Israel. Just watch. Oh, it's not even that. No, it's 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 more it's more pathetic than that. Oh my god. Uh, the program's cost estimates have skyrocketed, and uncertainty over whether Congress can agree to a full year budget prompted the space agency in early November to slow down the program. Basically, oh my god. they can't it's trust because of those fucking idiots. This is one of those things. NASA should not have to beg every fucking right. year. Yeah. This is stupid. No, so that's what they they set a fucking budget. Even if it's less. Right. Just fucking set it and leave it alone. Yeah. Like yeah. cannot be touched by dickhead president for 10 years. Right. No, they do this every year. These guys are doing things that are so much bigger than your little fucking political battles. Right. Leave them the fuck alone. Yep. So and then they're the the, the lawmakers are bitching at NASA. This short-sighted and misguided decision by NASA will cost hundreds of jobs and a decade of lost science, and it flies in the face of congressional authority. Wait, who said that? One of the lawmakers. Oh we're, my god! We're mystified because by NASA. you guys can't fucking make a budget on time every year. Or at all. They keep doing a one month, like 45 days. They keep kicking the can down the road 45 days to not. NASA cannot money. operate on a nope, 45 day budget. That's the it whole cannot. problem. So we are mystified by NASA's rash decision to the, suggest the at this fact stage that the lawmakers can function on a 45 day budget just proves that they're not accomplishing anything. Right. Yeah. Because you can't. Okay, I couldn't own, I couldn't operate my fucking, my mechanic shop. I couldn't work on cars for 45 days at a time. Right, without knowing what's coming. Are you fucking kidding me? It's going to be, yeah. Um, So we are mystified by NASA's rash decision to suggest that at this stage of the appropriations process that any cuts would be necessary. Fuck you, dude. Like, get your shit together. Fucking... Do your job, yeah, and then NASA could yeah. have good function. The people like behind the wheel are fucking children, yeah, and not concerned with where the car is going. No, no, not at all. They're trying to drive it off. No, the they want to have the most hands on the wheel, mm-hmm. but have no give or care about where the fucking car is going. It is our response. So this is from NASA. It is our responsibility to spend American taxpayer funding responsibly. Significant reductions in spending must be implemented immediately or the program will not have funds to last through the fiscal year. Um, And this is real. The estimated price tag for NASA's Mars sample return effort has deeply risen from $4 billion to as much as $11 billion. But like... Hold on, hold on, hold on. When that estimate was made, money was worth a different amount. Exactly. Like, part of that is inflation. Right. Um, right, yeah, right. Yep, and then NASA said that they made this drastic move to be ready for a worst case scenario. It's basically if all of their funding goes away, they need they're cutting this so that they don't have to cut everything. Right. Like, yeah, 
Fucking idiot. Yeah, I had a feeling that would get you good and heated. All right, and then this is the last politics headline of the night. Uh, Pro-Palestinian protesters mm. disrupt Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Protesters glued themselves to the parade route. Which I thought was what does that cool. mean? They literally glued to the ground. Yes, to the ground. So this should really? be like yes. Sick. This should be like McDonald's new ad right here. Can you see this picture? They've got genocide then, genocide now, free Palestine banner, like jumped into the parade in nice. front of the McDonald's car with Grimace at the back and a whole bunch of like people around McDonald's gear. It's just really love funny. it. Yeah. Um about 30 pro-Palestinian protesters ran into the street and apparently glued themselves to the pavement. They chanted, no more nickels, not another dime, no more money for Israel's crimes, which I thought that was pretty funny. And free, free Palestine. They're also holding up Palestinian flags and papers that said genocide then, genocide now. Officials said the protesters were taken into custody. Because they're disrupting capitalism. Yeah. President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden called into the parade to give their thanks and urged Americans to come together. We have to remind ourselves how blessed we are to live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Today is about coming together, giving thanks for this country we call home. Now, I'm sorry, that was not one of the things that God said thank you for at our table that night. It was not the fucking war crimes of this country that allows us to have the lifestyle we have. Um, no, I mean, this goes back to what I was talking about before, not being able to... Like, if you wanted to, you couldn't pay these kids to be on your side. Right. Right? Look at Congress. Mm -hmm. Look how many millionaires. Mostly. It's over 50%. Yeah, yeah, mostly. Right? That is not representative of the people. No, it's not. People don't want this. No, they they don't. don't fucking want this. And you can keep trying to tell us that we want it over and over and over. And it's working on some people. It is. On About 500,000 of them compared to the 25 million, right? Billion. I think those yeah. are the numbers. 440 million to 25 billion. Yeah. yeah. That's how many people it's working on. Right. Stop spending and wasting the fucking energy. Yeah. So we've got just a little quick video for this one. Oh, I love the goat yeah, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can see right here, they're on the, they glued their hands. Can you see? Yeah. Love it. They're going to go around. They're going to try to go around. Mm -hmm. Glued to the ground over there and over here. So. Good for him. Yep, he's he's living his best life. <laughs> Yeah, Look at the star shaving his head. That's fucking rad. Love it. Yep. So, so that was the totally normal Thanksgiving day. All right. Now, turn that off. I didn't know uh, Goku from Dragon Ball Z was uh, 
regular part of the Macy Day. Parade. I didn't either. I'd never seen that um, that balloon before. I don't watch the parade every year anymore. Though. All right, so now it's time for our shameless plug. Um, if you like what you're hearing and you want to support us, we've got several ways you can do that. First off, we've got merch. So let me just show you our merch store here. Down, let's go up. All right, so we've got slides, we've got shirts, we've got notebooks, we've got stuff for your dogs, we've got stickers, aprons. I really like the aprons, I think they're cool. I want one. Uh, windbreakers, mugs, necklaces you name it, we got it. Um, we set up the, the prices for the DP merch store so that every item you buy, we get exactly $10. Um, that's why the prices are a little funky, and I, I know probably none of you are going to uh, pay $14 for a sticker, uh, but you can get a free one. So all paid memberships include a free iHeartDP sticker. There, there. Uh, you can just tell us where to ship it and what color you want. We've got blue, we've got gray, black, pink, and green. Um, you also get an exclusive invite to a monthly bonus episode. We're calling it Rant and Ramble on Rumble. So check out Patreon for the different tiers. You can also sign up for the middle tier on Substack, and they have an optional annual discount. Um, we've even got a tier out there for those of you with fuck you money. Uh, and if you can't contribute financially, I feel you. Uh, you still play a vital role here. Liking, subscribing, reading, and sharing our content is the most helpful thing anyone can do. Uh, you can also sign up for free at Substack to keep in touch with us. Not just an email newsletter, they also host our show notes and the podcast version of this show. The links to all of these things and more can be found on our website at divergentpolitics.com. All right, and that brings us to our last uh, segment, the apolitical uh, palate cleanser. So I know, I know, this is supposed to be apolitical. Yes, this is about Donald Trump. But I promise it's not about the election. It's not about his indictments. It's not about his polls. You wish. Now, this is something disturbing, but not political. This is a clip from the Late Night with Seth Meyers podcast on their Thanksgiving episode. Oh, I can't quite see that, can you? I can't see that. What is that? Better? Okay. Oh, it's audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's just audio. Player. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Can I turn the volume up quite a bit? And uh, let's get started. So Trump wants to seek revenge on his critics because he's fixated in all the investigations he's been through. He's even still obsessed with the Russia investigation. At a rally just a few days ago, he went out of his way to bring up one of the more salacious rumors that was flying around about his personal life back in 2017. This is the greatest witch hunt that started with Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember that? He was with four hookers. You think that was good that night to go up and tell my wife, it's not true, darling. I love you very much. It's not true. Actually, that one she didn't believe because she said he's a germaphobe. He's not into that, you know? <laughs> Out of the blue. <laughs> he, he, he was talking about Putin? No, he's talking about himself. 
Can you play that one more time? Yeah. Okay. I misunderstood. Yeah. No, he is talking about having to go home and tell his wife that no, he was not with four hookers. And oh, jeez. This was back with the Derby Daniels thing and the, like, right? All of that at the beginning of the campaign. All right, I'll start it. All right. Trump wants to seek revenge on his critics because he's fixated in all the investigations he's been through. He's even still obsessed with the Russia investigation. At a rally just a few days ago, he went out of his way to bring up one of the more salacious yes, rumors this is that a flying Trump around rally. about his yes, personal right, life exactly. back in 2017. Yes. Right. This is the greatest witch hunt that started with Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember that? He was with four hookers. You think that was good that night to go up and tell my wife, it's not true, darling. I love you very much. It's not true. Actually, that one she didn't believe because she said he's a germaphobe. He's not into that, you know? He's not into golden showers, as they say they call them. He's not. I don't like that idea. No, I didn't. I thought that would be a big problem. I was going to have a rough night, but that one she was very good on. She said, no, that you're OK on that one. Dude, not even Democrats are thinking about the P tape anymore. <laughs> but when you come out. <laughs> I haven't thought about it in years. <laughs> Wow. <sighs> All right, we got about 30 seconds left. Six years later and deny a story everybody forgot about, I have to think, maybe it's true. <laughs> if someone came up to you at your 20th high school reunion and said, by the way, I'm not the one who put the sardines in your locker, then you just solved that case. Yeah. My favorite part is when he said Melania didn't believe that one. Like, there are plenty of other stories she definitely believed. She didn't believe the golden shower story, but when the news broke that I asked a porn star to spank me with a Forbes magazine while we watched Shark Week, she said, that sounds like my Donald. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. There's... How will comedy survive when he passes? Oh, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. It'll be a loss for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is our episode. Do you have any final thoughts or questions from earlier in the segment that uh, you wanted to go back on? No? Okay. No. All right, then we'll jump into our silver lining closing. We know the topics we cover can be bleak, so we want to try and end our episode on a positive note. If we can't find a silver lining anywhere in the topics we covered, we'll take a moment to share something we're grateful for today. Today's silver lining is Gen Z TikTokers. Mm -hmm. They give me hope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had this written in my things earlier. Actually, I used to hate it when I was young and old people would say, oh, these kids, they're, you know, they're giving me hope for the future. But man, is this your responsibility to deal with this shit? But like, now that I'm old, people like it. Mm. Like, these kids give me hope. <laughs> um, if we ever, if we get out of this alive, they're going to be a great generation. Of I, I, I think it's, it's somewhat double-edged because it's like they are incredibly like removed from that political propaganda right but they're also just removed from knowledge from so, like all all no. propaganda i guess 
I know our kids aren't stupid. Like they're they're smart kids. So all right. Well, that's our show. Good luck, TikTokers. Right. Uh, we hope you'll join us next time. Just a quick reminder to head over to our website at divergentpolitics.com for links to all of our socials, membership signups, and the DP merch store. Good night. Good night.